podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the West Ham Breakdown. I'm Jack Elderton and I'm joined as always by my mate Callum Goodall. How is it going? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, I've stepped outside of London for the international break. Um, yeah, it's quite nice to escape and reset, but also very quickly realised <laughs> that there's nothing going on here. So, <laughs> is, this, is this a footballer's interview? Sorry, am I interviewing one of the players? Yeah. I've stepped out of London. It's quite nice to have a break, reset, refresh. <laughs> back in the gym tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, I should have been back in the gym about a year ago. I've been putting that membership off for a long time. <laughs> well, it's time to get back in the in the tableau gym because um, yeah, I'm going to need a visit from you. Actually, we'll, we'll be we'll be doing some more work on uh, on West Ham, which is quite exciting. And got some work coming out there. Uh, also with with AU, just just a little update. There was a, a video that went out on Hammers Chat, um, which was uh, me and Charlie looking at what's changed this season com- as compared to last season. Uh, it was a fun little opportunity to look at some of the metrics that have shifted. Obviously, we're only four games in, but obviously, it, you know, I don't think any of us were expecting the start that West Ham have have had. So it was fun to to, to look into all that stuff and. Really nice to break into some of the reasons why last season's four one four one was terrifying, and this season's four one four one has been quite enjoyable. It's the international break, and last episode we talked about the Luton game. We could speak about West Ham's upcoming fixtures against Manchester City, Batchkatopla, and Liverpool, but you know that's that's a bit terrifying in in many ways. One because we're playing a couple of really good teams, and two because we're playing a team I'd never heard of until a few weeks ago, <laughs> and now I've got <laughs> got to write a bunch of preview stuff uh, for for the site. So yeah, I'm going to be making my way through some Batchkatopla versus Braga games through the rest of today. Um, yeah, so it's just I'm, I'm not ready basically to be able to do a <laughs> to do a Europa League group preview. But what we are going to do today is a little show and something a little bit more fun inspired by Alex Berwick. I think it was inspired by Football 365. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but Alex Berwick is great on on Aston Villa stuff. I will put his uh, Twitter in the description if you want to check um, him out. Really, really nice, balanced and takes on all things happening at Villa and always my go-to person to check out what's going on over there, what the vibe is among their fan base. But... Uh, what he has been doing over the international break is talking about who Villa's most important players are and doing so by ranking the senior squad from one to whatever it is at Villa. Today, it's going to be one to 25 with West Ham in order of importance based on a combination of our views and also what we think players mean to the current manager, David Moyes. Now, Cal has had a little bit more time to prepare for this than I have. And by that, I mean, I sat in a Google Doc for about three minutes prior to starting recording this episode. <laughs> so I am freewheeling a little bit, but I'm pretty confident about where I've put some of these players. The area sort of between around 10 and, and 18 yeah. Less so. We <laughs> we could be going in any order there. Uh, but Cal and I haven't spoken about this at all prior to recording. Uh, so it should throw up some interesting differences of opinion, I'm sure. 
uh, otherwise, you know, it will be confirmed. The conspiracy theories are true. You will never see us in <laughs> in the same room. We are the same person. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you lead uh, with your most important player at West Ham, and then I will see how shocked and horrified I am by the order I picked in the minutes <laughs> preceding this recording. <laughs> you want to start at the top? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if we were going to build up to the most important players. No, no, no. I think but, well, let's start at the top. Let's keep the the the, the let's keep the most the, the finest cut right at the start of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, we're not worried about watch time. It's not YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. Um, okay, so for me, I think most important player this season, I've gone for Jared Bowen. Um, I think he started the season well. Obviously, um, I think when we were at our best. Um, at the start of Moyes' tenure, he was, for me, probably our best player. Um, so I think when you consider all that together, it makes sense that he'd be our most important this season as well. And I think if we're going to go towards this counter-attacking style again, I think him, not only as a goal scorer, but also a ball-carrying threat and someone who can make the right decisions in the final third, um, I think he's pretty integral. Yeah, you've convinced me. I didn't go with Jared Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Cal's going to be right for the vast majority of this episode. Uh, we'll find out where I put Jared Byrne in a few minutes. But uh, number one, I went with Mikel Antonio for very oh, similar reasons. Oh, I knew you were going to do this, man. I knew you were going to do this. For very similar <laughs> reasons. Uh, if we're going to play on the counter-attack, it doesn't really work without Mickey. And as much uh, as I think we'd both like to see Devon Mubama get some minutes this season because he has the right kind of profile, he's the right kind of player to to fulfil that role in David Moyes' team. Um, as of right now, uh, from what we've seen so far this season and heavily waiting on what's important to David Moyes rather than who, you know, what I think or who I'd like to be really important, I think Mikel Antonio has to be uh, the most important player in terms of functionalising the way that West Ham play at, at the football club. Although you did make a very strong argument for Jared Bone, which I do largely agree with, which is that, you know, as important as Mickey is, who's actually going to score the goals? And um, and that guy very much is Jared Bowen at West Ham. So I, I'm semi-comfortable with where we're at so far. Antonio and Bowen as, as, as our first choice picks. I'm hoping that we're not going to divert massively away from the players I was expecting now. But number two, Cal? Uh, I actually put Antonio here. So I think okay, basically nice. for all the reasons that you said, um, yeah, I just had Bowen slightly above, maybe on a purely ability bias, I guess. I think Bowen is also just the better player. So I think that on top of... Um, of what I said earlier is why he ranked top. But yeah, I think it's hard to get away from what you said about Antonio. And I think if you think exclusively within the confines of a Moyes system, then I think we saw last season that without Antonio, the Moyes system kind of falls apart um, unless you have someone who can do exactly what Antonio does. And and we've been looking for someone to do that for the last two and a half years and we're still yet to find them. Um, So I think, yeah, Antonio has to be right up by the top. Do you think we ever will? Well, do you think he's going to be 45 yeah. and just like yeah. chasing <laughs> loose balls down the channels? Yeah, I think, well, the club have obviously been trying and, and rolled the dice a few times and have yet to yet to come up with a, an alternative or, or a replica, I guess. And, and we, behind the scenes at Analytics United, have also put in countless hours into trying to find an Antonio 2.0. And yeah. we're still, we, we found a few players who we think could do the job, but obviously it's impossible to really 
come to any conclusion without them arriving at West Ham and, and giving it a go. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a really tricky task. But um, if he continues in the form that he's he's started in this season, then I have I have a great deal of confidence that uh, that will be all right. He won't. Um, <laughs> he, he won't. He, he doesn't. Uh, this this is what happens. Um, we've had we've been here before, but. Uh, what I will ask you is, I think everyone does know who I was most miffed that we missed out on in this position as an Antonio like-for-like uh, replacement. Is there anyone that you were really, really upset that we've missed out on over the last few seasons for, for that role? Or who's um, the most? I'm sure there are lots of people you are disappointed <laughs> yeah. on, but, but of that group, who's who's the most sort of galling miss? I think if anyone doesn't know for me, it's it's Braylon Bolo. I've gone on about him forever as the yeah. guy that would have been perfect for this. He he you know proved proved proven me wrong, I guess. People always said that his injury issues were the reason why not to go for him, and he is now out for the whole season, I think, with an ACL injury uh, yeah. at Monaco. So you know what do I know? But um but yeah, he, he did a very good job for them playing exactly the same kind of role um, as Michael Antonio does at West Ham before that. Yeah, um I yeah, I think Mbolo, like you say, we've said for a long time um that he'd he'd be a shoe in for that role, really. Um I think other ones I suppose uh Victor Giocaras, I think, profile wise and the form that he was in, I think he would have been deserving of the step up to the Prem. Uh, and I think he, from everything I've watched of him, both physically, technically, I think he, there's no reason why I don't think he would be able to carry out that Antonio role. I think he is an incredible ball carrier. His progressive run numbers were insane last season and, and Coventry used him in a similar way to how we use Antonio. He was often the outlet in terms of going up to him. He'd bring it down and then it'd be him that they rely on to carry the team into the final third. And then I think technically in front of goal, he's better than Antonio. I think in terms of his profile, um, his finesse and sort of his um, composure in the final third, he's less bumbling, I suppose, than Antonio is. And I think that's that's not unfair on Antonio. I think everyone knows that he's not the most technically gifted player. He's just incredibly difficult for the defenders to deal with. Um, other ones, I think Marcus Turam, but I think he's probably a step above. He's obviously gone to Inter to play Champions League football. I think that probably wouldn't have been the most realistic. Um, João Pedro to Brighton as well. And then... Um, one Pedro was one of my favourite shouts for the role for a long time. Yeah, 100%. And then I think the other two um, that would have been slightly more of a gamble, one of them I think less so now given the form that he's um, he started the season with, but uh, Victor Boniface at, at Bayer Leverkusen has just so been unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he's he's unbelievable. And I think he looks to be the next striker that's got ridiculous price tags attached to him. And then Akor Adams, who also had a move this season, um, profile-wise, was a good match. Uh, and then there's one guy I've been keeping tabs on. He's he's 26, so it's not like he's young, but he's, he's not really taken Europe by storm yet. But a player called Jean-Philippe Crasso, who who was in inspired form for Montpellier in Ligue 2 last season and has gone to play for Red Star in Serbia and I think has got five goals in two games for them um, in the league so far. So he's someone that I'll be monitoring this season. It just how high he'll get to in terms of the level of football uh, remains to be seen, but seems to have been prolific at all his clubs. And again, profile-wise, very physical, very fast, um, good ball carrier. So... Yeah, there's a few players for you to all go and have a look at. Number two, I didn't put Bo in there. <laughs> oh. I know, I feel bad now. Uh, I went Edson Alvarez because. Ooh, interesting. Uh, where else am I finding a number six? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think just with, with the fact that we've seen 4-1-4-1's effectiveness already uh, early in this season, obviously we're going to play 4-2-3-1 a lot as well, I think, this season. Uh, but in terms of a sitter, given the profiles around in that area of the pitch, you've got Pakita, Ward-Prowse, um, I suppose Fournals is, is around there, and Thomas Suchek. I wouldn't really want any of them performing the role that Alvarez um, has done so far this season. And if you think about how the team has functioned when it's been at its best, before Alvarez, it was Rice playing that sitting role, and that's when we were really good. So having someone else in there now to to sit back, lock it down, be a machine in terms of winning the ball back and make sure that they're tidy enough in, in possession, keep it ticking... I think really, you know, the two most important roles in, in Moy's teams when he's been here, maybe being that sixth role and, and the striker role. Um, so that's why I went for those two players. I feel really bad for leaving Bowen out at the top two now. <laughs> um, but, but he was my third pick. I did have him in the top three. Um, I wasn't sure which way I was supposed to put it around. I knew Antonio was first. I wasn't sure between Alvarez and Bowen which way to, to put that. Uh, but who did you have at, at number three? I actually went for Zuma um, pretty much for like the way I looked at it was who's most important for us at the top of the pitch. And that's how I ended up on Bowen and Antonio. And then the flip side of a Moyes side is that you need to be incredibly good out of possession at defending your box and um, yeah, being very disciplined at the back and sort of having that rigid structure so that it's difficult for teams to break through. And I think who is the most important player uh, in all of that? And it's Kurt Zuma and he's, he started the season very well. It looks like he's going to be captain as well, which adds an extra element of importance to him um, in terms of his leadership and sort of the way he, he manages the team on the pitch. Um, and I think for all those reasons, and then you add in the added goal threat at the other end of the pitch as well. Um, set pieces are going to be an important thing for us this season, one would assume. So I think, yeah, Kurt has to go in at number three for me. So your top three was Bowen, Antonio and Zuma. And mine was Antonio, Alvarez and Bowen. Um, I'll let you do four and five together. And and that will round out our, our top five most important players at, at West Ham. Yep. Um, and I suppose putting them together makes sense, actually, given that they've been playing alongside each other. But for me, I've got Alvarez and Ward-Prowse. Um, I think really I could have interchanged them. Um, I think having listened to your argument for Alvarez, I will put him at four. Um, but I think Ward-Prowse could easily be four as well. Um, if, Like I just said, set pieces are going to be incredibly important bringing in arguably the best set-piece taker in world football, really. Um, I mean, there might be someone in, I don't know, the Indian second division that's just lethal from free kicks. I don't know. I don't watch that much football. But based on the football, at least fraud. in the top five leagues. <laughs> You're a fraud, Cal. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. I'm not... <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it's not... Uh, yeah, unfair to 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 give Ward Prowse that label, and I think beyond that, we've we've said on previous podcasts just how important he has been and how much he surprised us both in and out of possession. Um, in terms of his on ball contributions uh, in the middle and final third, he's he's blown me away. Frankly, I, d- I didn't think he would have um, as big an impact at all, uh, and definitely not within the first four games of the season. So I think it's um, it's become very clear that both him and Alvarez will be absolutely crucial to any success we might have this season. Um, and I think another thing, another way that I looked at it was who, which players would I be most worried about if they got injured for an extended period of time? And if either of these players went missing from the first 11, I would be 
very concerned about the drop-off that we would experience without them based on the way that we've played uh, this season so far. Um, so yeah, four and five, uh, Alvarez and Woodbrass. Nice, nice top five. I have got one player different to you in my top five, and um, I went for Lucas Paqueta in the top five at number four and Kurt Zuma in at number five on reflection. I'd like to swap that, but I I won't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your argument for Zuma was, was, was perfect and and exactly right. He's such an important player for us and he's so uh, key to everything we do defensively. And if you think about how the defense functions without him, it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish without him. All I will say is that I do think for the first time in what feels like forever, we do have a quite nice, replacement on that side should Zuma um, yep. have another period out of, with injury which I almost well, I expect will happen at some point this season Mavropanos is really strong in the air um, really big guy c- commanding presence in the back line and also a threat from set pieces going uh, the other way got two goals for, for Greece in this international break I can't remember which game that was in um, yeah so I, I think that maybe depreciates Zuma's importance a teeny bit because yep. there is someone there who could do a similar job. We're yet to see how he performs at West Ham, so it's a bit early to to, to give, go with that yet. But on based on what we saw last season in the Bundesliga, um, I feel pretty confident in in saying that. Um, and then just in terms of you know what he's produced so far this season, Lucas Pacatar has been brilliant. Um, I think all round ability, uh, general kind of being such a good player that you drag other people with you um, and, and improve standards based on that. I almost feel like the city bids helped um, mm. in, in, a, in a way because it's kind of, I don't know, it feels more like he's got something to, to prove um, yeah. now than maybe what we saw from him last season. And, and I, you almost see that in the amount of work he's done off the ball. I think he's won the ball map ball back or made more tackles than any other player in the top yeah. flight so far this season. Uh, so combining that really strong defensive output with what he does on the ball is a real positive because actually without it, you were looking at him last season and saying there's a bit of a weakness there because not that he wasn't winning the ball back, but he wasn't outstanding in, in, in on that side of his game. And he also wasn't outstanding in the final third. Um, so you had all the stuff in between, but you were lacking a little bit in terms of what he did in, around both boxes. And now we've seen that improve both facets, really, actually. He's contributed a lot defensively, but then also you see the assist he gets for, for Bowen against Luton, and that's exactly the kind of pass that we need him to be playing um, a lot this season for us. And yeah, just in terms of general unlocking ability, you know, if we're going to be playing the way that we are this season, I imagine low blocks are going to become a problem for us again. And if you're looking at one player in the squad who has got the ability to 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 play a defence splitting pass, to be really creative in possession and and can get away with being creative at the cost of retention because they genuinely do have that quality. He is that guy. So he snuck into my top five because of that. Um, And yeah, Kurt Zuma rounds it out for me. Um, James Will-Prowse in at six, I should say, just missing out for for all the same reasons um, that you mentioned. The only thing I would say with with Will-Prowse is that... um, I can see a low block David Moyes team functioning with Alvarez, Suchek and Pakita. Um, so as much as he would be a, a loss, I can, I can see how the team would work um, without him. Obviously you'd lose some of that control and build up, but Alvarez has really impressed so far in terms of what he does there. So that does reduce the, 
the, the some of the issues we saw last season where Rice wants to get forward all the time and then Suchek ends up being quite important in build-up as well. And also Rice is generally only able to face forward. Again, that's kind of a problem for Alvarez, but Rice wanted to drop more to the left side of the pitch between the centre-back and the left-back rather than between the centre-backs. So just some of the tactical changes there, for me, make me feel a little bit less worried about Suchek than I was uh, last season from an in-possession perspective. And that maybe slightly changes where I'd rank James Ward-Prowse, not through any fault of his own. He's been fantastic so far. He's been super important to what we've done so far this season. It's just that there are two really good players who I think can play in that position, although they're uh, completely different types and, and offer different things um, to the team. And number seven for me, I went with a GERD sandwiched between James Ward-Prowse and Suchek. Um, so again, super important defensively. And if you're looking on the left side of the, the defence, Ogbonna's a fantastic player, but he's coming right towards the end of his career and not someone you'd want to rely on as a first choice option. And um, Agurd obviously has huge amounts of talent if he can put it all together without the errors that we've seen across his West Ham career so far and some of the aerial issues and difficulties in dealing with really physically aggressive strikers. Um then, then we've got a fantastic player on our hands in, in that position as well. And of course, we've talked a lot on this podcast, on, on previous iterations of this podcast, I should say, about, um, about how important his in-possession uh, skills can be for us from that left side of, uh, of the defence and especially given David Moyes' focus on left-sided build-up at West Ham. Um, so yeah, those, those, those were the three players just missing out on the top five for me. Nice. Yeah, it's hard to disagree, really. Um, and where I had... Ward Prowse and you had Pakatar. I had Pakatar as number six. So sure. for similar reasons. Um, and then seven and eight, um, I've actually got Agurd at number eight. Um, and again, for all the same reasons. And also I think we've spoken on the pod about, yeah, his what he offers in build-up and how David Moyes prefers to build up down the left-hand side. And in the absence of Aaron Cresswell, we've had to bring in someone who can pass um, particularly well and progress the ball into the final third um, through either passes down the left channel into the feet of the left winger or hit switches into the right channel, um, as we saw against Luton, where he was hitting diagonals into the feet of Bowen. Um, uh, so I think just in that respect, as a as an outlet and someone who's calm under pressure but isn't afraid to go long and generally chooses the right decision um, of whether to play into the feet of the midfielder or, or to go a bit a bit further down the pitch. Um, so I think he's in at eight, but I wasn't sure where to put him, uh, the player that I've got at number seven. But I just think in terms of a, I think he started the season really well. B, I think maybe more so than any player, he has the potential to turn one point into three points and zero points into one point just by way of keeping the ball out of the net. Um, so I've actually put Ariola in at number seven. I know that Fabianski is a very capable deputy, but um, I think... I don't know if there's a bit of personal bias here. I think I've been longing for Ariola to come good for a while. I think we've both been pretty frustrated with the appearances that he made last season where he wasn't really that much of a positive contributor when he did feature. But I think what we've seen is that with an extended run, um, he's really found his groove and he's been yeah, performing above his um, post-shot expected goals, which means that he is essentially winning us points by... Over, outperforming what is expected of him basically and if he maintains that form then I think points like that will be crucial um, whether it's in um, 
yeah, tight games where we're under the caution. He he keeps the ball out against Brighton. He was a perfect example of that. There was numerous chances that they probably would have scored against worse goalkeepers, but because he was in such inspired form, we managed to come away with all three points. Um, so yeah, I think if he maintains that, he will be integral. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I've got him in at number seven ahead of a Gerd. Um, I think also on a Gerd, I think like you say, Ogbonna, it's not. I mean, I love the guy, but he's. I, if a Gerd got injured, I wouldn't really be comfortable with relying on Ogbonna for an extended run of games because, as good as he is, I think there's a drop off in build up, and also, I wouldn't bank on Ogbonna not then getting injured five games later as well because he's he's um he's been injury prone, and also the older he gets, in theory, the more injury prone he will become. Um, so yeah, a Gerd, and also I think just in terms of that partnership that we've seen blossoming with Zuma, I think that. A good centre back partnership is is the backbone of any good team, right? Um, and f- I think we've seen positive things of that partnership. And the longer they get to play together, and hopefully injuries won't disrupt that. But if they can get a real strong run of games going together, I think I think we'd have one of the strongest centre back partnerships outside of the top seven. Personally, in Zuma and Agard, um, when it clicks, I don't think that's um, unreasonable to say based on the form and the ability that they both have. Um, and this is sort of where I start to get into the weeds of it in terms of uh, it starts to become a lot more tricky. It starts to become a lot more tricky. I think we had slightly different. Uh, well, I expect we will have slightly different approaches based on the opinions that I know that you have of some players. Um, the way I did it was just to look at the starting eleven, and they were going to be my eleven. That was just make my life a lot easier. Um, so that obviously leaves me with three players left to round out my 11. Um, and based on the way the team functions, I've gone for Ben Rama at number nine. Um, I would prefer not to have him at number nine. I think he left wing is the obvious position to upgrade in this system. I think um, there's a lot of flaws in Ben Rama. I think too often he slows down our counters because of his desire to cut in on the right foot. And rather than just drive into the byline against the backpedaling defence, he'll try to cut inside and the defence carry on running. And then all of a sudden you've got a defence in front of you, whereas before he didn't and you could have just cut it back and potentially had a goal scoring opportunity. But all Smashing the fist on the desk. The outrage. <laughs> I'm not sure what I just hit there. It was bizarre. Um, but yeah, all of that said, I think he is still the starting left winger. Um, for now, at least. We don't know how Kudus is going to fit in, but I would be surprised if he replaced him because I think Moyes, in terms of the balance, prefers to have a right-footed winger um, there to operate in the half spaces. And I think in that respect, and also with respect to his ball-carrying threat on the counter, he does at least offer a real positive in terms of getting us from our own defensive third into the final third. It's just when we get into the final third that I think he becomes less impactful. Um, but in terms of sitting in a low block and wanting someone to carry it out, he is very good at that. We've seen that. Um, and I think in that respect, he is still going to be super important um, to this counter-attacking team. Um, but yeah, like I say, when the transfer window opens, probably in the summer. I don't know if I'd be desperate to replace him in January, um, but I think he is the next one that that should be upgraded on in theory. Sure. Yeah, I've got Ben Rummer at 10. So just one place lower than you. And and I went, I I felt really weird putting him there because we we haven't really seen him. We haven't seen him play at all in a West Ham shirt yet, really, apart from a couple of minutes. Um, But just in terms of ability and and impact on, on the team, what he could offer to us, 
Um, and from my firm belief that when West Ham functioned best, it's, it was in that period where Jesse Lingard was the 10. When we're the best atta- attacking team we can be, it's with a 10 that goes beyond the striker. It's a profile I've wanted us to to go for for ages. I, I was wooed by Nedim Bayrami for, for, for a while, thought that he maybe could be the guy that, that would, would <laughs> offer that to us less a little bit less so now than than, than I was and, and partly that was because players like Mo Kudus would come out at the top of this these kind of lists and you go well that there's no chance that's happening yeah. so um I'll write that one off but he's here and um he's perfect no I think he he could be, <laughs> he could be super important to us and it'd be interesting to see where he plays I also think there's a increased potential this season with some really positive moments that we saw Ben Rama sort of stepping into the half space, receiving there, playing less on on the left actually, and more kind of coming into central areas, especially to allow Emerson to drive up and, and beyond him, that we could see Pakata playing as a starting as a left midfielder, but not really playing as a left midfielder in, in games and coming into the, the middle with Kudus surging beyond the striker, maybe out to the left or Antonio moving out to the left and Kudus and, and Bowen coming through the middle. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to, how he's going to fit. No one is with none, you know, it's, it's, it's been a question that's been rumbling around since he turned up. Um, but I think he could be a really important player to us this season, just based on his ability. So I've got him at nine, and then rounding out the eleven, um, completely different approach to Carl. Yeah, didn't 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 select all players from the from the first eleven, um, but I have got Emerson um, in at eleven just because of the gap that has grown between him and Cresswell over the back end of last season and and the start of this season. And I think just in terms of the way the team is functioning now, using those carriers on the left side more so than. Than, than passing through the left side and then just needing ball carriers in the team. Emerson's offered a lot um, from from that side of the game so far this season. And actually, he hasn't presented the same problems as he did last season in terms of his recovering, uh, recovering, not recovering, um, to to defend post-transition. So, you know, you go forward on a counter-attack, he surges up and last season he would sort of if it didn't work out, shoulders would slump and he'd sort of walk the first 10 yards before breaking into a jog. And, and we haven't really seen that so far this season. So that's a huge improvement from him. I've been impressed with his performance. So he makes the top 11 for me. Nice. Yeah, I had um, Emerson at 10. Yeah, Emerson at 10. And then Sufal at 11. I just had two fullbacks left. And I think Emerson, for me in terms of what he offers on that left side, given that everything goes down the left side. And I think the combinations that we've seen with Ben Rama and Pakatara on that left as well, I think something nice is is building out there. I think it's it seems, there seems to be some nice interchanges, some nice positional rotations with Emerson knowing when to overlap and when to underlap and, and receive the ball in the final third um, as he races towards the byline. Um, so I think, yeah, Emerson just comes in above Sufal. It pains me because Sufal for a long time has been one of my favourite players. But in a similar way with Ben Rama, I think after left wing, Sufal is probably the next position that I would look to upgrade. I think he was incredibly good for us um, when he first arrived. I think his impact in the final third was in- incredible. Uh, that season where I think he got seven assists in the Premier League. Um and the way he used to overlap Bowen was was insane and, and sort of create that space for Bowen to operate in by way of pinning back the fullback and allowing Bowen to cut inside. But I just think we see far less of that now. Um, I, I think 
partially a tactical shift in the way that we build up. We're less dependent on that. I think with the additions of Pakatar and and the way that Ben has shifted slightly more uh, into the half spaces and um, I think as well with the with the arrival of Kudus potentially operating in the half spaces as well um, and Ward-Prowse too, I think we're just a lot more dynamic in the ways that we attack and it's less basically entirely dependent on build up down the left, switch to the right, Sifal overlap, Bowen either cut inside or play a pass into Sifal on the overlap who crosses it into the box. There's, it's not just that rinse and repeat now. We're, we're more comfortable in central areas and I expect us to see more of that moving forward. So for that reason, I think Sifal had to come in at 11 uh, for the way that I looked at it at least. Yeah, he's 12 for me. Uh, same same thing, Emerson and Sufal next to each other at sort of the bottom end of this. And I suppose that makes it clear what we've been saying for a while is that fullback is not a position that West Ham have really prioritised under uh, David Sullivan over the whole period, actually. And um, it's clearly a position that, that often gets neglected and, um, and an area where we've needed to upgrade for, for several seasons now. Uh, we've wanted a, a long-term left-back option for, for years, seeing Cresswell wind down towards the end of his career, being the last guy, actually, that we we, we brought in in that position as a sort of long-term um, option there. So it'd be really nice to see us recruit someone in that position. And same on the other side um, with Sufau, also beginning to wind down now as well and nowhere near as impact, impactful as he was when he first arrived, as you described. Um, I didn't put Ariola in the top 11. Um, and partly that's probably a little bit unfair, but it's because the two keepers are, are so good and, and they, yeah. it was difficult to kind of separate them. And I, and I, I didn't really want to, to push other players down. So I've got Ariola and Fabianski next to each other next in my list at, at 13 and 14, just both excellent keepers, both really, really um, good. That's that. I, how, how far are we down your list? I've done 13 and 14 on, on mine. Are you uh, up to 12? I've, I think I've only done my the start in 11 because I finished okay. on Sufal. Um, All right. So run through 12, 13, 14, and then we'll have to kind of quick fire the, the, yeah. the bottom end of the list. Yeah. So 12, uh, I went for Kudus um, outside of the starting 11. I kind of just was like, who do I think could have the most impact as a squad player and off the bench? Uh, and I think just based on, A, his sheer technical ability and also the pace, I think bringing him off the bench, if someone's been countering for 70 minutes and you want to carry on, bringing Kudus, Kudus on, yeah, with the pace and skill. What are you doing, the kudos thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, no! Don't Look get an old that. boy on West Ham Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think he has the potential to be incredibly impactful, and also, I have high hopes of a successful Europa League campaign. I want us to go really far, and I think I expect us to rotate as we did uh, in our two previous Europa campaigns. And I think having someone like him that isn't an established starting 11 player, but who will almost certainly start in the Europa League campaign um, is going to be incredible for us because he is good enough to be in the starting 11. It's nothing to do with ability. It's just the way that Moyes likes to bed people in and trying to find the position for him, etc. Um, but having someone with that ability, I mean, he he could probably start for some top six clubs. I'm not going to lie, like from what I've seen of him. Um, so having someone like that um, to spearhead our Europa League campaign, I think will be will be super, super important. Uh, and then 13 and 14, um, for similar reasons, I just kind of looked across the pitch and who are our best depth options. I think Suchek comes in at 13. I think um, A, just sort of that 
just how important he is to the team as a squad, like in terms of being a squad leader, having been around and sort of established him under stripe, so to speak. And from what everyone says and from what we see, just seems to be the loveliest guy. Like, I don't think that can be understated, um, particularly in a season where we're going to have loads of games. There's going to be ups and downs. We're going to need players like him, like Fabianski, like Zuma to sort of just really pull everyone together, keep it tight knit as it, as as the squad has been at the best of times under Moyes. Um, and I think on the pitch as well, he we know that he can be impactful. He was impactful when David Moyes was at his best for us. He was scoring goals. He was f- like bombing the box from centre mid. Um, he is super impactful at the back in a low block side in terms of dropping in and heading balls out and, and allowing us to spark counters. I think as well, an underrated thing that, I sort of observe when I watch Suchek when he is clearing the ball against crosses is it's not just like hopeful headers out like he has this ability to sort of head it into the path of an on-running winger so whether that's nodding it into the path of Ben Rama who can just take it under control and drive forward straight away rather than I don't know uh, other sides where you might just see them clear out without any consideration of where it goes and then um, I don't know someone like Rodri gets on the end of the clearance and then recycles possession and then City are coming at you again. And that sort of um, ability at the base of a counter-attacking side is is really important. Um, so I've got Suchek there. And then uh, for a similar reason, I think I've said that Agurd and Zuma are going to be super important. Um, that partnership is going to be integral to any success. And also in a David Moyes system, you need your centre-backs to head the ball out, as we've just said. And I think if one of them is to get injured, Touchwood, hopefully they don't. But if they do, I think Mavropanos could potentially be very important. And in a similar sense to what I said about Kudus, in terms of having these high-quality players that are going to come in and play in the Europa League that are arguably good enough to start, and if not for us, then definitely for other Premier League teams, having that quality of squad player to come in and rotate is something that we've not had at West Ham for a very long time. And I think given that we will be really hoping to sort of go one step further, I guess, in the Europa League compared to where we got last time, having Mavropanos in there, um, I think his impact cannot be understated. So yeah, 12, 13, 14, I've got Kudus, Suchek and Mavropanos. Yeah, it's interesting because I suppose for me, I, I maybe considered players like Suchek and, and Fabianski because of the Europa Europa League um, campaign and also just, I don't know, Fabianski mainly because we've seen him be first choice keeper for so long, so perhaps I'm a little bit wrong on that. I considered everyone and Kudus as well in that sort of first 14 as, as, as a first choice player, just kind of there are going to be rotations between some of these and then everyone after that was, was a squad option um, for me. And that's why I've got for exactly the same reasons that you, that you said Mavropanos at 15, um, because he's the most important squad player we have. We've suffered with injuries at centre-back really badly last season. Um, we've got injury-prone players in that position. It's very likely he's going to get game time and he's a very high-level centre-back to be able to call on um, in those situations. Uh, if you give me your 15 and then we'll just go 16, name a player, one quick yeah. sentence explaining why and we'll run through like that until the end of the list. Yeah, nice. Well, 15's easy for me. Um, same reasons. Fabianski, um, another sure. high-level Europa League player. Cool. Okay, so uh, 16, you go first, Cal. Uh, four nows, pure vibes, happy man, always impactful. Danny Ings for me. Um, no no real strikers around other than Divine Mabama um, in terms of being able to back up to Antonio. I'd much prefer to see Divine Mabama get more game time, but based on what Moyes... Um, 
well, based on what we've seen from Moyes and what Moyes values, it, it's clear that Ings is going to be the second choice striker and that makes him quite an important player in the squad. Um, 17? I went Tilo Kera. I oh think, my God. Very, uh, yeah, that's that's the think, biggest difference, I think. We've had yeah. Suchet was a big one and then this is going to be another really big one. Yeah, I think not dissimilar to Four Nows, really, and what I said about Suchek. I think positive dressing room uh, guy, um, versatility, offers us the ability to shift from a back three to a back four in terms of playing as a lateral centre-back or a sort of progressive right-back um, in terms of passing. Uh, and I think, again, I expect to see him play in the Europa League. I would imagine he's probably second-choice right-back. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, that's why he's he's in there. I went old Bonner and I think the reason for that is because I see him as maybe more adept to low block centre back and that's the system, you know, we're playing mid block, conceding space and often ending up in a low block. So I think that makes him quite important in terms of being able to replace in that position. And also I think that Kara's importance has been massively diminished by the arrival of Mavropanos because Mavropanos can play that right centre back position in a three. He can play as a backup centre-back, as we've already discussed. And we've seen training videos already of him playing at right-back, a position he did play a little bit last season. So mm-hmm. there's potential for him to play there a little bit. And he might be ahead of Kara for, for that role because Tilo didn't have the best season last season. Uh, 18? Uh, Danny Ings, for all the reasons you said, I just put him slightly lower. Pablo Fornells, for all the reasons you said. <laughs> uh, 19. Uh, Ogbonna. Uh, for sure. me, um, uh, Ben yeah. Johnson. For me, oh, um, yeah, fair. which tells you what I think about uh, Tito's importance to the squad because I've gone with the flexible right back slash left back um, ahead of him. I, I just like the fact that Johnson's available on both sides, um, and actually, I think it's a shame that we don't see him more than we we have done because I think he is quite a good player. Just had really bad form last season, and hope he can pull that back together. Um, we're going to have to race because you've got to go, haven't we? Uh, so it's 20, 21, 22. Uh, I think I had 19 as well. So 19 was Johnson, 20, uh, Cresswell, da, 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 and then I think I had Corne. I'm losing track now. Oh no, he's lost track of his list. <laughs> 15, 16, 17, 18 was Ings. Johnson, 19, yeah. Oh, so, oh no, Ogbonna. I missed Ogbonna. Uh, Ogbonna, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We did then, we did nineteen as Ogbonna, so you're you're on you're you're on twenty twenty one twenty two, which are cool. Cresswell twenty no yeah, Cresswell twenty Corne twenty one, Mubama twenty two. But I'd like Mubama to be twenty one. But I think he'll I think he'll reach for Corne ahead of Mubama personally. You, you'll be pleased to know that Mubama's my twenty one then. Um, <laughs> and uh, at twenty and twenty two I went for Corne uh, at twenty, which I think is the same as you, right? Uh, or Cresswell was twenty and then Corne was twenty. I can't remember. Uh, but same areas. Uh, Corne at twenty and then Tio Kara for me. Big difference um, to you down at down at twenty two because for me I think he's one of the the least important. Uh, backup defenders um, and then the final three I think we'll have the same two players in 24 and 25 uh, but who did you go at, at, at 23 uh, great question <laughs> why has my list got so messed up and yeah then, so it must be Cresswell and then, and then Cresswell. Coventry and Anang yeah so yeah. I've got Cresswell there as well uh, at 23 um, just because Johnson can play that position yeah. and I think Cresswell's same right reason. at the end of his career so uh, he comes in at the bottom of the sort of senior players for me, and then yeah, Coventry and Anang down there at the bottom. Feel a little bit sorry for Connor Coventry because I think um, he's probably around for registration reasons and uh, for his 
career he he deserves to 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 move on to whatever's next for him uh, rather than sitting around at the, at the at the very end of the West Ham squad not really seeing any any game time yeah that's that i think that went pretty well i think the most interesting bit was that was that first selection of, of, of players where we slightly differ, differed but what we can say is that the West Ham breakdown values Mikel Antonio extremely highly get to know if you don't know <laughs> as if you didn't <laughs> already know that guys <laughs> he's an incredible striker um, right uh, we will catch you next week after uh, the Manchester City game and then the one after will be our first double um, catch up of the season where we'll be looking at I think is it Bachka Topola and, uh, and Liverpool at that point um, yeah yeah, so we'll be talking about both games and then that, that run of talking about two games per episode will we'll start. I think we'll try and focus on the more interesting game of the two because it's quite difficult for us to to rattle through two games worth of analysis in 45 minutes. But we'll see what we can do. The episodes will, will take on a slightly different shape at, at, at that point. All right, cool. See you all in a bit. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network.